Hey friend, if you are tired of feeling tossed around by the busyness and heaviness of life, if you've had enough of that sneaking suspicion that you just aren't good enough, good enough for your kids, your husband, your friends, your dreams, or your to-do list, if you want to be done with feeling rushed around from one half to to the next, then I want to invite you in to Unshaken Rain. Because frantic, frazzled, and pushed around by life's worries and trials and fears, that's not who you are, sister, and you don't have to put up with it anymore. You are a daughter of God. That means you are royalty. You are uniquely positioned to spread hope and peace here on earth. Listen, I know that this life is full of twists and turns and disappointments. I know that the heartache can feel absolutely crushing. I've totally been there. But that is not what we are defined by. I'm done with that place, and you can be too. So come find freedom from the heaviness. Get immersed in the truth of who you are and discover the practical tools you have available to you so that you can stand steady in the face of life's uncertainties. You are more than a conqueror, my friend. You totally rule. I'm Corey Halleck, and this is Unshaken Rain. Hello and welcome to Unshaken Rain. I'm Corey and today I'm talking more about identity. I believe that the more we are able to know and recognize and then embrace who we are and how the Lord sees us, the more we can walk in authority in our lives. And that is what I'm on a mission to awaken in us, that ability, that confidence in Jesus so that we can reign in peace and power. So today, I want to delve into one of my favorite aspects of our identity, and that is that we are priestesses. I'm not sure why this one is so special to me. Um, maybe it's because it feels ancestral and reminds me of the heritages of tradition and culture that I find intriguing. Maybe it's because it feels a bit metaphysical and sacred and I am sometimes a little bit mystical. And maybe it's because I just love incense and essential oils. <laughs> or maybe it's because this term often stirs up negative and godless connotations. And I do love a good I'm taking that back fight. But whatever the reason, I have found so much depth and hope lately in the idea that I am part of a nation of priests, as we are called, and the privilege and significance that comes from that role. Now, if this is a new concept to you, I want to give you a little overview. I'm going to try to not geek out too much because I'm actually really into the study of ancient Jewish customs and the tabernacle and stuff like that. I just think it's super cool and I could go on and on about it but I'm going to try to not. So here is the overview. When God met Moses out in the back 40 of nowhere in the burning bush, he told Moses that he would make the, he, the Israelites a nation of priests. But then after the Exodus, when God brought the people to the foot of Mount Sinai and called Moses up into the cloud, there's an interesting moment where all the people back up from the mountain. Somehow, 
I had overlooked this little moment in scripture for my entire life. I'm sure that it was read to me and told to me, but I guess I just thought, yeah, well, it was probably super freaky to hear God speaking out of a cloud. And so I didn't really think anything about it or look into it. But sometime last year, I think, or around there, this part of the story just jumped out at me and I felt compelled to study it freshly. In fact, I have an entire other episode in my head that will come eventually on this story and what I feel like it taught me about intimacy with God and my journey in learning about his character. Because I really feel that for me, one of my biggest hangups in learning my full identity was that I had some misconceptions about God's identity. And I don't think you can fully know yourself without knowing who he is, who our creator is. And so that episode will come. I'm excited to talk about it. But for today, we're just going to move past this part quickly. So I've looked up this passage on some Bible commentary sites. And most scholars say that the people backed up out of a out of wisdom and a right understanding that God was so awesome that if they had stayed there any longer, they would die. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar, okay? So please do not feel that you have to agree with me on this. What I'm about to say is totally my own theory. But in my reading about the Israelites, I don't see them making a whole lot of wise decisions and rightly judging God like ever. Also, when I look at the trajectory of events, the people back up, God says, okay, that's fine. Go back to your camp. They go back to camp and immediately they build an idol of a cow and start worshiping it. Let me reiterate that. Let's look at it again. The people were told to stand right here, toes up to the edge of where it is safe. They back away because they think they're going to die They go back to camp and they make an idol because apparently the moment they back away from the presence of God, they forget who they are. They forget that they were supposed to be a nation of priests, priests who would stand toes up to the edge of where God is. So God says, okay, fine. I'll make the Levites my priests because they were the only ones who didn't worship that stupid cow. So God set up the tribe of the descendants of Levi to be his priests. And so they became the ones who were set apart and chosen to be the bridge between God and his people. They oversaw the sacrifices. They were the ones who went into the holy place. And then the high priest once a year went into the holy of holies to bring in the offering. They were the ones who carried the Ark of the Covenant into battle in front of the army, totally weaponless except for the presence of God. And even that right there gives me so much hope and even gives me the chills. Friends, when you feel like you are walking into a battle unarmed, remember this. You are a priestess of the Lord Most High. You carry the presence And the promise, that covenant promise of the God of the universe into battle with you. And man, that just gets me so freaked out excited. So 
Fast forward, though, from the time he's, that God set up these priests and the priest system. Fast forward through the Old Testament. In a nutshell, they just kept messing up and going into exile all over the place. And then finally, we get to Jesus, who is called the great high priest, the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. At his death, because of the sacrifice of his perfect body, Jesus enacted a new covenant and tore down the dividing wall, literally tore apart the curtain in the tabernacle that separated us from the presence of God. So he was, first of all, the perfect high priest. So he had the right to enter into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. And then because he was also the perfect sacrifice, he ended the need for the sacrificial system that was separating us from God. And so then now we as priests get to in enter into that presence as well. And we are now guides on that bridge between God and the people who he's longing to bring into his promise. So it's a similar but kind of different role than the priests of the Old Testament. No longer do we just take the sacrifices of the people who are trapped under the weight of the law. Now we get to go out among the people and proclaim the good news that the sacrifice has been made. You can come in and enter into the presence of the Lord. And I just think that that is so cool. It's such an honor to get to be part of that team of priests that get to enter, that get to usher people in. But I have to tell you, when I first went to write down the word priestess, I kind of hesitated and I wished that there was a different word. I'm not sure if any of you would have this same hesitation, but I know that for me, the idea of a priestess has had a negative connotation. My main associations with the concept of a priestess or a prophetess are from pagan religions. Growing up, I mostly heard of priestesses either being the temple prostitutes of the female gods in Greek and Roman times, or in modern times, satanic priestesses. So the concept of a priestess was tied in my mind with evil ritualistic behavior. So my inclination was just to say that we are priests. And yet, not only am I a woman, <laughs> but I know that most of you, my audience, are women. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not going to dance around and renegotiate who I am and what my calling is just because Satan has had a heyday messing up the terminology. After all, Hasn't he been belittling and devaluing woman's identity since the moment he met her? And why does a bully pick on someone in the first place? It's typically because they are jealous of what that person has and they need to put them down so they feel a little bit more secure in who they are. And of course, Satan would want to take these aspects of our core identity and try to twist them or steal them or at the very least make them feel shameful. So of course he's going to try to take our freedom to enter into the presence of the Lord, our capacity for worship in the holy place, and the concept of our sexuality as something 
uh, worshipful and divine and lump it all up together and scare us with it because he knows that it's powerful. He knows that those things are a gift that have been given to us and he wants to rob them and devalue them. Now, all Christians, both men and women, have been called into this identity as priests and priestesses. And so I could very well speak directly to a bunch of men and call out and celebrate their identity as priests. And we could also delve into the negative connotations that that has for some people as well. But I specifically want to exhort women here. And so it's not that the other doesn't exist. It's just that this is what I know. And this is what has been so impactful for me. Women, we are so powerful, so chosen, and given authority as priestesses. We've been given a place. Now, we don't have tabernacles anymore, although that would be awesome. But we are now the tabernacle that the presence of the Lord hovers over. So bear with me while I geek out for just one second, because when the Israelites brought their sacrifices or their offerings, the priests took them, offered them to the Lord. There was the ceremonial washing, and then they could enter into the holy place where the bread of the presence, um, the continually lit menorah, and the fragrant incense were all found in there. And from that room, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies once a year. But now, through the perfect and forever sacrifice of Jesus, we are already washed clean and we're brought into the holy place where that veil between us and the Holy of Holies has been ripped down. So now we get to stand toes up to the edge of where it is safe in the very presence of God. My friends, don't back up. When Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, they went east, out of communion with God. And that is why every time the Israelites set up the tabernacle in a new place, it was facing east because then, uh, or the doors would be facing the east because then as people entered the gate, gave their offering and moved toward the Holy of Holies, they were going west back into communion as if they were going back into the garden. And so when we back up away from the presence of God, we will back up right into our old identity. That's what happened for the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai. They backed away. They were full of good intentions. They told Moses, we're super scared right now, but you talk to God and then just tell us what he wants and we will listen. We promise we will listen. But they weren't yet ready for that all-consuming presence of God. And so they backed up right up into camp where they made an idol of one of the gods from their old land of slavery because we know that cows were worshipped in Egypt. And so they made a statue of one of those old gods even though the true God was right there. They had backed away from him. So what does all of this mean for us? I said before that there aren't tabernacles anymore, so we aren't priestesses in the sense that we are taking people's grain offerings and burning them up and throwing the ashes against the north side of the altar or whatever, and then symbolically eating the leftovers. 
But what does it mean now to be a priestess of the Most High God? So I just want to share with you some of the ways that this has influenced how I see myself and what I do with my time and my priorities and my relationships. So if I am a priestess of the Lord, that means that I am intentional with my friendships and my relationships. When I'm having coffee with a friend and she's feeling heavy because her life is hard, I know that I have access to the Holy of Holies and I can usher her in to the presence of the Lord. I can pray for her with the same power and connection that a priest in the temple would have with God and even more so because now we have the Lord within us. It also means that I am intentional with my home and this is a really big one for me. Now, I may not have a tabernacle, but I do have a home. And when people enter my home, it is my greatest wish that they feel they have entered into a holy place. After moving into our little ramshackle cottage, Matt and I and our girls prayed over our home. We welcomed the presence of God into every room. We stood at the threshold of each doorway in the house, which doesn't take long because there are five rooms in the house, including the bathroom. And we prayed over each space. The girls prayed over their bedroom and asked the Lord to fill it up with his Holy Spirit. And with the authority that we have as priests and priestesses, we opened this place up to be filled. And while God is very merciful and kind, he doesn't share space with the enemy. So this home now is a holy place and our hearts, our souls are the holy of holies. As a woman in authority over my home, I want to be considerate of how I am consciously hosting the presence of God here in this space. So how does that change how I care for this home that isn't even legally mine? Like the like a tabernacle in the desert, in the grand scheme of things, this home is temporary for us. It's a rental. And when the Lord tells us to pick up and go, we will. So how does this place being filled with the Holy Spirit affect what I do with my day, though? How do I care for it as if it is this holy place. How does that affect the way I speak here and what I speak about? Um, does it affect how I prioritize my time in this home? I, th I want to encourage you to take some time today to move about your space in your home, wherever you live. And this activity might seem really cheesy to you, but just roll with it and look around you and see if there are any ways that you could arrange or decorate or curate your home so that you are daily reminded of who you are as a priestess. Now, for me, this means several things. Firstly, I love candles, essential oils, and incense. So I keep those things in my home. And there will be another episode about my routines of spending time with the Lord and candles and incense definitely play a part in that. So look for that episode coming soon. But I love to use those things and that helps me um, just remember that this place is set apart and special. A second thing is that keeping my space quite literally pure is important to me as well. 
And so we love houseplants and salt lamps because we're kind of hippies and we definitely have our diffuser running a lot of the time. I have a circle of girlfriends who love to buy gifts for each other um, at holidays based on what we feel like the Lord is telling us to get the other person. And so it's this little tradition we've had uh, for a few years now. So I have several gifts and pieces of jewelry and original artwork that remind me of who the Lord says I am or promises that he has for me. And even though much, uh, and even much of my jewelry that I buy for myself is spiritually significant to me in one way or another. I like my decor to have meaning. And so much of what I keep in our home is a constant reminder either of our family's earthly heritage um, or our heavenly identity. Being a priestess of the Lord means that I am intentional about how I care for my body. Housing the presence of the Lord affects how I want to take care of myself. This has affected my choices in skincare. It affects my exercise, which I will also go into in another episode. And it affects the choices that I make when I'm eating. Now, I'm not perfect in these things, and my thunder thighs are an excellent reminder that there is still room to go, but these are things that I'm working on and I want to be conscious about. Being a priestess of the Lord means that I am intentional in my ministry and in my mission. I want to be thinking about how am I in my life bringing others into this amazing presence of the Lord? How am I sharing that? with people around me. And it means that I am part of a nation of priests that is no longer confined to the desert, but actually now stretches across the whole planet. It means that as we each individually around the world, as the Lord's people learn more about our identity as priests and priestesses, the effect that we will have across the world is incredibly powerful as we collectively worship the Lord and bring others into his presence as well. So my friends, take a beat if you have time today and ask the Lord to help you be intentional with how you host the presence of God. This is who you are and you are good at it. You are uniquely positioned to be a priest or a priestess in your own life, in your own circle. And so I want to really embolden you to usher people into that presence of the Lord and spend time there ministering to him, remembering that you are part of this amazingly beautiful nation of priests. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You are awesome. May you reign boldly. Steam. All right, friends, that's it for now, but I would love to interact with you and get to know you more. So come find me on Facebook or Insta. Let's hang out. If you loved this episode, give it a like or a share or both. And be sure to leave a review on iTunes so that others can find us and be part of the fun. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back soon with more Unshaken Rain. Stay